some somebody needs to step up and pay you guys for what you're doing. So, uh, you know, continuation of sportsman racing. We can't let sportsman racing die on the vine because we're not doing things to keep up with the times. It's time for Class Racing Today, the podcast for the NHRA Class Racing fan. Welcome back to Class Racing Today, classracingtoday.com. This episode is sponsored by Midwest Class Racers. Uh, they just had their sixth annual Badger Classic at Rock Falls. Uh, yours, uh, <coughs> your <laughs> host, Brian, was there. Um, Killing it. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, don't uh, <clears throat> don't go away. Share this out to your friends. We're live on Facebook right now. Uh, we are on the Instagram at Class Racing Today, Class Racing Today at gmail.com. If you would like to say hello or if you want a shirt or sticker, send us a message. We'll get that out to you. Uh, Brian, what is up? You're here. Back in studio yes. after a crazy uh, drive about the country. How are you? It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Um, man, it was just a fun weekend. It was fun to get back in the car and make some passes and see my racing family, who I feel like it's been forever. <laughs> now, now uh, I talked to you, and you were uh, down south on Thursday night. You arrived home Friday morning. In the wee hours, and then um, left <laughs> the next morning to go race. Uh, what was that transition? You said you had to go pick your car up. Uh, was it ready to go when you got it? Yeah, it was good enough. You know me, I hate to be too prepared. So, <laughs> so, so what I want to know, though, were you creating the uh, atmosphere around the back of your car like you did in St. Louis? Uh, no, we temporarily have that solutioned <laughs> so yeah it, we all we made we made progress we'll just say it that way but yeah i had to hook onto my trailer i got home at 2 30 friday morning hooked onto my trailer had to drive an hour hook onto my trailer about i don't know, i think it was 8 30 i hooked onto that through the car and headed to rock falls to go testing nice so but man i tell you what they've changed that track a lot like i sure wish bobby would have been there because it uh they made a lot of improvements, and it just it, it was really a cool atmosphere to see. I think there was about a hundred and like one hundred and seventeen stockers there. Plus, really, plus they had nostalgia super stockers, and there were some index cars that showed up. There was there was a lot of cars. I think they said it's one of the biggest biggest turnouts they've had. That's cool. Bob, Bobby claims to be um, nothing busy. Bobby claims to be nothing. B- busy and okay. prepping for <laughs> some things. Um, you you you're getting married soon. That's right, man. Yeah. Four days. Awesome. Can you believe it? Uh, not really. Last I checked, it said 400 days till your wedding. I was like, all right, I got time. Now it says four. <laughs> and I don't know what happened. Nice. I better start preparing. <laughs> right. You know, if I had a dollar for every time I heard, where's Bobby? Where's Bobby? Why is it, where's Fazio? Where is it, why is he not here doing interviews? And mm-hmm. It just made me think, like, I'm second fiddled again. You know, the... Well, everyone just assumed that you'd be... Uh, you know, just on the track, just drive up and down that thing. Yeah, a hundred times, uh-huh. winning five thousand yeah. here and there, and you would hope, but yeah, it didn't quite go that way. Yeah, what happened? I heard you had a, uh, a heads up run that you uh, well took lightly. 
The guy only had you covered by half a second, so you were like, ah, I, I, I could do that. Well, Bobby, you would have been overprepared, so you would have analyzed the cars that were there, and you know me and Hot Mess Racing, we just kind of show up and chalk our letter on the window and fill out the time card. And I wasn't quite anticipating, I think, what was there, like eight A-stock automatic cars, and there's probably ten B-stock cars, and yeah, I qualified and got lucky and got a heads up against the 2015 Challenger, old Dino, first round. He was running 1014s, making it look easy. I was 1040s. So yeah. The end result wasn't that good. But I actually did, uh, you've been proud of me. I did run a little less air in my tires and I did actually do a few things to try to make my car work better. I made a few suspension changes. So I was hoping to to make some progress that way. Um, computer locked up, of course, you know, software update, all that stuff. So I couldn't really change anything tune wise. So I was pretty much stuck there. Took my air cleaner off, got ready for my heads up and yeah, I was, uh, I was 16 on the tree. He was 250, and I still lost by 500. Oh my God. Yeah. I would have been, you know, I would have had, I would have told you to go get a sandwich. I got this. Craig, can they hear me? I'm getting a lot of Facebook messages saying that they can't hear me. Well, it looks like it, but uh, d is it there now? Um, let me see. Let me text somebody back. Hey, there we go. <clears throat> it, it, it was the switch that's on the fourth layer. The switch. The switch, the switch. has been that's it. flicked. All right, they're saying yes, they can hear me. So now we have to rewind eight minutes. Let's do it real quick, okay? <laughs> Brian said, you're getting married in four days. I oh, said yeah. yes. He used to say 400 days to your wedding. Now it says four days to your wedding. I got to prepare now. Then we went into Brian's heads up run at Rock Falls Raceway where, Brian, you heard his whole spiel. And then I said, you know what? You should have just went for a sandwich. I would have taken care of the car for you. I would have taken oil out of that thing. I would have iced it down. I probably would have done a whole lot of things and not told him. And he might have won. And then I think you heard how Brian was covered by a half a second and he only lost by four hundredths. All right, now we can resume. You know, that was a dynamite recap. How was that good summary? Work. Was that good? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, we know and... why, now we know why you do flash news. <laughs> yeah. so, so speaking of that, Bobby, uh, break that down. Is that, is that a new thing you're going to start running? Yes. Awesome. You like that? I, I, I want to be able to speak as fast as those little uh, the, the, the things at the end of <laughs> the a commercial. The disclaimer, yeah. The disclaimer. Mm -hmm. Take this medicine. <laughs> this, it will kill you. It's fine. May, yeah. You say it fast enough. It may no kill you. There's no it. proof that it works. Yep. Yeah. But the cool part was, is I did, uh, I did realize there's always a chance, even if you are the underdog. So it did, it did give me a little renewed hope. And I also realized there's a reason why there's about four other cars that were running GT or super stock classes. I've never seen them run before because they're, we're a little more prepared than I am. So when in doubt, dodge a heads up, right? Definitely. I've been doing it for years. I just got comfortable last year. I always hit the right spot of the ladder, and it just wasn't a big deal. And that you first... don't even look at the ladder. You've just been like, just like, let's see where I end up. Oh, I just happened to be in the right spot, right in the middle of the pack. That first round heads up was round. just really demeaning. It was just, it was kind of a soul crusher, but it's all right. It motivated me. I got in the index race too. That was pretty fun. I was actually hoping to be in three classes, so I was second alternate in the race of champions. So not that I was hoping for someone to break, but 
I was hoping for two people not to show up, so I'd be an alternate in the race of champions, run the stock super stock race, and run the index race. And instead, we uh, we did a lot of spectating before it rained out. Yeah, but no, it was it was awesome. There was a lot of cars there, and it. Uh, I think there was. So I had a first round heads up. I think Randy Mans had a heads up with uh, Ryan Korsh. Um, I was thinking there was two other ones too, but I was I was in my own zone, so I didn't pay that much attention. That's why we need we need you there next time, Bobby. Just skip the wedding. We're going racing next year. Don't worry. <laughs> he can skip the wedding next year. It'd be great. Yep. <laughs> anniversary. Anniversary. I'll skip the anniversary. Shh. All right. Let's uh let's get into now we covered the results from D1 and D5 uh on the Flash News last night so if anybody wants to hear that go ahead and check that video out it's on Facebook and YouTube. Um there is one thing I wanted to mention there was uh, a key there was a heads up at the D1 race that I I forgot about in Superstock Superstock uh D automatic I believe or C automatic uh Larry Jewell versus John Pelican. Larry Jewell's got a 67 Corvette. John Pelican's got a 69, 70 Chevelle, something like that. And Larry Jewell had uh, John covered pretty good by about four tenths, I believe. And um, from what they from what they say, uh, Larry Jewell did like a John Force burnout off the starting line, uh, giving Pelican the victory. They said Pelican actually uh, spun a little bit too, but uh, Pelican got the win. So that's why we don't race them on paper, like they say. Got to get out there, give it your best shot. Uh, I did see a lot of cars spinning at Lebanon Valley uh, when I watched on NHRA TV. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I do not want to complain about racetracks. I want them all to stay in business. I'm not going to say a word about it, but I just it's just unfortunate when you get there and, and you just can't get down the track. So hopefully uh, that gets fixed for, for next year. All right, let's get into our guest today. Our guest has... Our guest today has been involved in NHRA drag racing since 1963. He was a an original uh, rules writer for the GT Superstock classes when they came into existence in the uh, early 1980s. He sells race car and trailer insurance for anybody that's interested in covering your uh, race operation, which, you know, every time you get on social media and you see an unfortunate accident, it makes you think twice about, hey, maybe I need to be covered. So this is the man you want to sp- uh, speak to. This is Mr. Don Kennedy. Don, how are you doing? Okay, just living the dream, having a good time. That's what happens when you get up in age. <laughs> <laughs> now, Don parades a 2005 Pontiac Sunfire yeah. in GT, in Superstock, GTE Automatic. But Don, you don't go the traditional route of putting what a 350 Chevy in there or a 305 Chevy. You you stick to your guns here with the Pontiacs, man. You're you're all about that Pontiac Poncho power, right? You've got a 428 uh, Pontiac motor in there. Yeah, whenever uh, I wrote the rules for GT in the early 80s, uh, I raced at Denver a lot, and uh, it kind of helped. I had a Pontiac Gold's Datsun dealership. And uh, I figured that the torque that a Super Duty motor made uh, wasn't affected by altitude as much as it would be like a small block Chevy or something like that. So I put the, uh, I bought the car from Bob Michaels and uh, it had a 455 Super Duty in it. And that's what I ran because it seemed like it worked 
really well at high altitude and weather didn't affect it too much because of the torque. And uh, with that super duty motor, it made so much torque that uh, everybody would say, hey, you know, you make so enough torque, you can pull trees out of the ground. I said, well, that's what I do when I'm not at a racetrack. I take the race car, pull yeah. trees out of the ground with all the torque. But uh, yeah, I've been racing a Pontiac forever. Now, who who builds your Pontiac motor? Actually, let's start with what what is that 428? What year uh, Pontiac would that be out of? 1968, the big, big Pontiac. And uh, it's a pretty good rated uh, combination. Um, it, it runs okay. Uh, Rick Waters built my motor. Uh, and then uh, I've had some other people freshen it up. Uh, Rick Waters now is the builder for Chris McGahey in Texas. And uh, I uh, had uh, Bischoff, uh, BES Tony Bischoff, freshen up the motor. And uh, it seems to be working pretty well. So I like I like the GT classes. You know, a long time ago, uh, I was I had my dealership in New Mexico, and and I realized that I wasn't selling old cars. I was selling the new cars. So I talked to a couple of people: Paul Rossi out in California, Joe Scott, uh, Dave Danish at NHRA about us putting old motors in new cars. And so I had a notebook that was just full of my thoughts and uh, gave it to Daryl Zimmerman. You know, Zim was a division director. Uh, he passed away. He was a nice guy and gave the book to Dave Danish, talked to Paul Rossi, Joe Scott. And I think I might have talked to F.J. Smith. I'm not certain, but I talked to a lot of people about let's let's get the new cars with a new motor combination. So I gave that to Dave Danish. Um Immediately, he took it to Glendora. He was a national tech director at that time. And um, I really felt it was important that we had a, a shot in the arm for the GT, I mean, the super stock classes. Uh, I even actually had it for the stock, but NHRA went to super stock and they, they grabbed it and Danish got it through. Uh, and then the, the rest is history. Pontiac gave me a car, actually Pontiac gave me two cars and an Oldsmobile gave me an Oldsmobile to build into super stock GT class. So that's my only claim to fame is the GT classes. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Every time I see a car in GT, I kind of get a little bit proud because it's enabled us to run in the old combinations in the new, new body styles. And then FJ Smith, he, uh, a chassis builder, he took the front wheel drive and turned it over to rear wheel drive. So FJ, uh, who's a good chassis builder, he uh, he was one of the first people to build a rear front wheel drive to rear wheel drive, like my super stalker. So. No, I know that that you are definitely taking advantage of that. And a lot of people are taking advantage of that. And that's taken the whole Cobalt, Cavalier, Pontiac Sunfire, uh, maybe even a couple Ford Escorts out there. And made them absolute killer race cars to the dismay of a lot of the rear wheel drive uh racers and gt racers i mean those drivers that run 80s and 90s camaros and they and they claim gt cars they were rear wheel drive when they started they're still they still are um their complaint is that the front wheel drive cars are just built you know so much better they're allowed a lot more you know suspension modifications than their cars are what do you 
think of that? Do you think that that that's okay or? Well, I like the I like the old cars. Um, you know, the, the super stock cars. I I think there's a place for both of us. Uh, if you want to go to you know the money thing, you go to a GT car, a, a front wheel drive conversion, or even even uh, a lot of cars. Uh, can run in run GT and the old super stock if you have an older car. Uh, I'm old school. I like the older cars, the Hemi's and the big block Chevys, and and uh, I like them a lot. Uh, I don't think there's a issue in the rules as far as an advantage with the GT cars anymore. Uh, each car now by NHRA is rated by the model, whether rear wheel drive, front wheel drive conversion, stuff like that. So. A uh, long time ago, when it first came out, there might have been an advantage, but I think now the uh, the, the rules and everything, there's it's a certain level playing field now. And I don't, you know, because I like to see the Hemi cars. You know, I know a lot of people in Hemi cars and and everything, and I like to see them. Eric Bell, he he has a Hemi car, and and uh, Carl Weinsinger and a couple other people, uh, and uh, uh, Camilio does it. I always mispronounce his name, Chuck and. So I, I like the old cars. Uh, I think there's a place for everybody, you know. Uh, the index is, is perfect for everybody. Uh, everybody complains about certain combinations in the GT versus the old rules. And it's I think it's about as good as, as you can possibly do. NHRA keeps tweaking it a little bit. I think they've done a good job. All right. Let's get back to your car then, oh. Don, your, your Sunfire. Yeah, uh, you told us who built the motor. How about who who built the car then? Who who well, converted it? For a you? guy named Andrew Melu built the car originally, and then I took it out to my good friend out in California, <clears throat> Phil Mandela at PMA Race Cars, PMR Race Cars, and uh, he tweaked it a little bit. Uh, you know, Frank Gosey was a good friend of mine. He had a Sunfire, and he was pretty fast. And uh, <clears throat> Phil, who who we all know is a really excellent chassis guy. And uh, he took the car and set it up like Frank Grossi's, uh, a little bit different. Frank was a little bit heavier than I am. And so uh, that's who did it. Andrew Millay passed away here about a month ago, Andrew Melu, And his daughter is, helped weld the car and build the car up. And uh, he was a good guy, but uh, he passed away. And so the car really works good. The paint job's not really good. I don't care about the paint job, but the car works really, really, really well. Uh, with the Pontiac motor and you know it's it's uh, a good car to have it's good it works well driver it's up to the driver to do a good job <laughs> and uh, occasionally occasionally I do a good job I don't have enough seat time but uh, out here since I moved here to Tennessee we're getting a lot more seat time and that helps a lot you know out west there's just not any races and so we love it here the people racers all over the United States are friendly and and uh, seat time is what we need to be a better driver. And I'm starting to get that a little bit, but uh, some some people say too many birthdays, but my reaction time is okay. You know, I'm not I'm not like Brian, natural driver, or you, Bobby. I I have to have seat time, and everything has to be perfect, I guess, for me to do any good. <laughs> I'm not like Paul and Mike Cotton and Evernotty or Brian. <laughs> As a as a Pontiac guy, have you ever run like the, do you know, is it most, is, uh, sorry, tongue tied here. Does anybody run like the 455 or the 400 combinations? Have you messed with yeah. anything else? 
Yeah, uh, I ran 455 Super Duty for 26 years in my red Trans Am. That car is over in Sweden. Uh, Brad Burton runs the 400 and the 428. Uh, there's a lot of stalkers, Carol Worling, Norm Worling out in Colorado. Uh, Bob Michael runs the Pontiac. Um, there's a guy named uh, Todd France, Irvin uh, John's car. He's probably the fastest car in with the Pontiac motor and my in GTE automatic right now. Bob Cruzen runs a 428 out in Oklahoma. He's a fast car. Um, I'm probably maybe third in the class. Jeff Lawrence is runs a Pontiac. I mean a Ford. He's pretty fast. And uh, I always try to rotate the earth. I'm old school. Whenever I leave the starting line, and and uh, somebody told me the other day you need to start. Uh, concentrating on driving instead of trying to rotate the earth every time. But the fastest Pontiac right now, I think, is Todd France. Um, the, the car is owned by Irvin Johns, and they're good people. And uh, I think he went really fast at uh, Bowling Green, uh, really fast. And so he can be the fastest. <laughs> If, I, if memory recalls right, though, like that 69 Pontiac 400 was supposed to be like one of the best, most horsepower motors from the factory. Yeah, they, they it's a good combination. Brad Burton and a couple other people ran that. Um, that uh, Pontiac is kind of the stepchild in the uh, whole scheme of things. And, you know, there's uh, one of the issues whenever a Pontiac runs fast, there's two million racers, Chevrolet racers complaining. But when a Chevrolet racer runs fast, there's only 10 of us Pontiac people <laughs> disfiguredly. I don't know how many actually there are, but, uh, uh, you know, we're kind of uphill, but, uh, that's okay. I, I like the torque and, uh, I like, you know, we don't buzz them too high RPM wise, but, uh, uh, the Pontiac is and Pontiac motor division was involved with a lot of uh, racing, uh, unbeknown to some people, uh, Rich Sherman out, out who was a, uh, worked for Pontiac Motor Division. He was involved in Mr. Goodwrench, uh, sponsorship of uh, Warren Johnson. He's a good friend of mine. He was involved in putting a hood available for road racing on a Sunfire that uh, never materialized. They made some hoods, uh, which a little bubble on the top, which did not much to performance, but they but uh, it never materialized. And then Pontiac went out of business. And of course, uh, I like the hood, but uh, NHRA made me take it off because they couldn't find the fact that what I knew that it was available for Pontiac Sunfires, which is kind of crazy. You know, I some of the newer cars have hoods that don't come from the factory. But whenever I was had my Sunfire, they said, take that hood off and had nothing to do with power. It just looks better. So Pontiacs are few and far between. But, you know, it it's uh it's fun to do because I like the torque and the low RPM and I don't want to, I'm not like everybody else with a Pontiac with a Chevrolet motor. <laughs> what kind of right, hey, Bobby, you, you have, have the Ford. Huh? Uh, what kind of transmission do you put behind the, the 428? Well, I have a, a Carl Rossler transmission with an ATI converter. Uh, Jim Beatty, when he was alive long time ago, uh, he, uh, I was testing out in Orange County and I broke a transmission and uh, I called up somebody named Jim Beatty at ATI, and I said, hey, I'm out here in California. I broke a tranny. He, that was on a Friday morning, and he had a transmission shipped out to me Saturday. 
so I'm an ATI fan converter. And then I got to know Carl Rossler and Carl built me a transmission. And uh, that's what I run now. I think I've been, I'm his oldest customer for Rossler. And uh, I'd kind of like a pro trans, but it's not in the, it's not in the uh, budget right now, but car runs good. You know, we, uh, we, we did some testing in uh, at uh, St. Louis when you were there, Bobby, and we changed the suspension around and, then I went to Bowling Green here three weeks ago, and it had, you know, three or four 117, 60 foots, which is pretty good for me. Did you, have you messed with gear, gear ratios in that transmission much, or just kind of run it the way uh, it was? But that higher torque, I'm just wondering if what your, if you know what your gear ratio splits are. Well, I run a standard 248. I think that some people have been testing. Uh, I changed tire size diameter to... Uh, uh, change the gear ratio on the leave. And then I play with the, uh, timing on the leave. Um, and of course, Phil Mandela out in California at PMR race cars, he, he came to St. Louis and got me straightened out about, I was hitting the wheelie bars and unloading the car. And, uh, he came over and said, Don, get out of the way. <laughs> I'm going to do something. I go, Bobby, you were there. I said, okay, yep. okay, we'll do it. And then boom, the car left like a rocket ship. And, uh, uh, Phil, uh, who's, uh, one of the nicest guys, uh, uh, I have a lot of chassis builder customers. They're all really good people. And of course I've known Phil for 50 years and he just got the car hooking up and Phil Mandela helps everybody, uh, Bobby and Ryan. He, he comes to racetrack and I'm, I've never seen anybody work so hard in my whole life and Phil, and, you know, if you come over and ask him, he, he'll fix it, you know? And, uh, and of course, Tony and, and the whole family is a, a really good company out in California at PMA Rocks, PMRS cars. Actually, man, remember when he told us what he was going to do? Uh, we were both kind of like, you and I were like, mm, are you sure that's going to work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bobby and and, and that's probably when he said, just get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Phil knows I'm kind of stubborn and, and he goes, you know, just let me do it. You know, yeah. Bobby and I were sitting there and I go, okay. So actually, when I went to uh, Bowling Green, uh, when I broke a head or two, but I actually moved it back to where I had it before. Sure enough, it did the same thing, uh, hitting the weed bars and unloading the tires. Of course, the air was killer. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it was cool and everything. Where you where the, And the tracks were, like, awesome. Bowling Green track is awesome. They know, you know, I've, I've only spun once there. And uh, of course, St. Louis last year was pretty good. My lights were good last year. And then this year, my lights, you think I never ran down the track before, but Phil, uh, Phil got the car set straight and I'm anxious now. I'm kind of getting my enthusiasm back to go racing. Yeah. Phil what Mandela's... is your favorite track to race, Don? Huh? What, what is your favorite track? I mean, you, you were, you're from New Mexico originally, correct? And that's where you started back in 1963. And then you moved to Arizona, but now in Tennessee, I mean, have did you have to leave a favorite racetrack now to come to the East Coast, you know, a track that you're probably not going to race at anymore? Uh, my favorite racetrack is where I have the best pit spot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, I, uh, I like them all, you know, Bowling Green is, you know, Brock and Dallas do a great job up there. Um, I like all the racetracks as long as I have a good pit spot and the starting line is good and, uh, you know, pitted with all our stock super stock friends and all the racers. I, uh, 
I, you know, I won a lot in Saint uh, in Saint uh, Salt Lake in Utah. Won uh, in Vegas. Uh, that's a good track. Uh, Jeff Foster does a great job in Vegas, uh, and uh, you know that that's a good track. There's no bad pit spots. Anytime you get there, you're on pavement. And of course, when you come out here, people I call a good pit spot that has a paved road to get up to the starting the staging lanes and uh as long as you're on grass and of course the humidity is a little bit tough but uh uh you know I, any track i'm at i'm happy the uh the, did we talk about the g2 rules bobby <laughs> yeah <laughs> a little bit okay yeah mm -hmm. that's that's what i that's my that's my uh only claim to fame gt rules you know it's just uh I think it was a shot in the arm for that. Uh, NHRA is, uh, you know, sportsmen have to be at NHRA tracks. A lot of people think that the sportsmen aren't important. Uh, the NHRA tracks, if they didn't have the sportsmen, they would only have, what, 60, maybe 70 pros. That includes pro stock and, and top fuel and funny car. And it looked like a deserted track if they didn't have the sportsmen. And uh, I hope they're kind of, understanding more and more how important sportsman racing is. Yeah, well, there used to be a, rumors all the time that they were going to separate pros from sportsmen and national events and things like that. It never came to fruition, and I don't think it should. I mean, that heads-up final uh, between Johnny Gray and um, John Shaw at Epping last week, double-A stock automatic, heads-up final. I mean, that really worked in their favor. The fact that it was two, you know, 60s muscle cars, double-A, you knew a wheelie was going to happen. Um, they put that on their Facebook page, and I was I was proud when it hit 50,000 views after five hours. Then I was even more happy when it hit 300,000 views, and John Force's final round was only at, like, 212,000. I was like, all right, stock beat John Force. Right uh, last I checked yesterday, that video of that final round on, on NHRA's Facebook page had 812,000 views. And then I went back to look at John Ford. I think his was at maybe four hundred thousand. I mean, they more than doubled the, the the Facebook views by posting a stock eliminator final. So I'm hoping that they are paying attention to that and realizing, hey, maybe we have an avenue here. We got a marketing tool. We we have something that appeals to the uh, the regular race fan. Actual cars going down track, a car show with the cars racing. So. Like you said, Don, the, the, the sportsmen, we, we generate revenue for them, obviously. We pay to be there. They could be using us probably way more than they are. Yeah, the uh, sportsmen, I think Billy Meyer got rid of the sportsmen when he first started the Dallas track, and it didn't work. I think he was involved with IHRA a long time ago. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a pretty neat match with sportsmen and pros at a racetrack, and I think NHRA realizes uh, they uh, – you know, the, the way Alan Reinhardt and some of the announcers build up the uh, uh, sportsman, I pre I think that's good. And, you know, you talk about advertised impressions, um, the, you know, Johnny Gray and, and Shaw, they're both my clients, and I was rooting for both of them. Uh, that's a lot of advertised impressions that uh, you got to look at, you know, uh, like for you guys, you know, I, I'm hoping that uh, somebody will come on board and help sponsor the podcast and the flash news that you came up with, Bobby, that's great. And you and Brian are key to our, our whole scheme of sportsman racing. And uh, people don't realize how 
how we need people to come together. NHRA is probably going to realize it uh, more and more, particularly with that. I call it advertised impressions. That's how many times the car goes down the track and how many people see it. Uh, with you guys being high profile, you and Brian, you guys are a great combination. I'm looking, you know, I'm looking for somebody that would step up and say, hey, you know, this is part of our progression in sportsman racing. You know, Bobby, you and Brian come in with a podcast and flash news. You know, some somebody needs to step up and pay you guys for what you're doing. So, you know, continuation of sportsman racing. We can't let sportsman racing die on the vine because we're not doing things to keep up with times and you guys are doing a good advertising impressions bobby with your interviews they're fantastic everybody likes to know something about a racer and uh, we all know about the professionals and that's old for some people but some the new people might like to listen to the same thing over and over again and i'm not belittling the professionals but uh there's a whole bigger market that hasn't been tapped in the sportsman racing and you guys are part of that uh progression of the sportsman racing by having the flash news and the podcast i love your podcast you know mike and paula cotton and stan holt and, and sheila and all them i like that interview and i liked all your interviews it's just fun to watch and then you can go back and watch them later which is even better thanks don yeah i appreciate that i really love doing the interviews i love learning things about people and their cars i mean it's it's been fun this podcast has been fun i owe it all to brian he's the one that called me up and said hey let's do a podcast and i was at first saying like nah i don't know about that that's a lot of work and i don't really have time for it but i'm super glad that we did it it's yeah definitely changed hey. my life it added a whole new uh <laughs> purpose for me so hey, hey brian when you win that five thousand dollars at st louis how much of that do you get to keep or do you buy another horse for your wife <laughs> no i had to i had to replace the trailer i sold on the way to st louis so oh okay oh <laughs> uh, well that was very interesting because i didn't know i know who you guys were but i appreciate you adopting me to have all the food and i think in st louis i don't think i had bought a meal and everything with mandela's and you guys and everybody you know it's it's fun uh the only thing that killed me is the heat and uh i mean the cold and so that kind of Put a little damper on things, but uh, when was I'm it? I'm getting used to the humidity. When was it cold? <laughs> it wasn't cold for saying, Brian. Oh, well, shoot! Brian, I bought one sweatshirt, tough. and I was—I wore the hell out of that thing. <laughs> now, Brian's tougher than I am. I'm from Arizona, where I my blood's thin, and it gets over seventy under you know seventy years old. Seventy years, I realized how used to the weather, and then when I get over seventy degrees, I become uh, uh, okay. Under seventy, I have to have a jacket on. I will say this weekend, like it was, I would normally say like unbearably hot, you know, eighties sitting in the fire suit in the car. But I, uh, I spent the week before that horsing with my wife in Texas. So 97 degrees and humid. I think I kind of conditioned me and it helped me to stay a little calmer in the car with the heat. Cause normally I'm like St. Louis. I'm like, why would you not just race in that temperature all the time? Like I'll bring the car out in the spring and the fall and just leave it parked all summer when it's hot. Cause that was. That's always the worst part for me is just sitting in there and cooking. Like whoever the engineer or GM that thought, Hey, let's put a glass roof on a Camaro. I just want to slap because man, it gets hot in that thing. Yeah. But Brian, you're Mr. Cool anyway. So you don't have, you know, you have your act together at, uh, I know I, your demeanor is awesome. I was watching you. You didn't know that, but, uh, uh, you did a great job every time you get out there. So, 
Bobby, and I know you, I've, I looked for one of your runs the other day. I, I, you have to send me a run that, with your stick car. You know, Kip Martin and I were good friends when he was alive, and, and he could drive that car and, you know, hit the limiter and pull it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I learned a lot from him. I hung out with him in Arizona. We talked to him, you know, many, many times, uh, you know, what, asking him questions. And he's a, he was a he, the guy was a genius. I mean, he was a smart guy. He knew how to build a killer engine. He could drive. He was just, yeah, man, I, I, we learned a lot from him. We wouldn't be going as fast as we are now if it wasn't, if it wasn't for him. So correct. When's, when's your next race done? Um, I'm going to go to the race in Columbus, uh, in July. Uh, I'm so busy with the race car insurance that, uh, uh, I was going to go to Bowling Green over the weekend and I got busy, busy, busy with, uh, selling, uh, uh, race for car insurance for everybody. And after that, uh, I started selling race car. I think the Warners are one of my clients from a long time ago. And then when I moved here to Tennessee, after an issue happened with Jeff Lane, I said, I need to get involved in selling race car insurance. Uh, it's very cheap for 20,000 guaranteed value. It's about 180 a year. Uh, after what happened to Bill Marshall the other day, you think it's not going to happen to you. And when it does, uh, I'm here. I'm the broker. I can take care of you. I know exactly what a racer goes through. I know how important it is to have our stuff insured. Contents in a trailer, insure the trailer, insure the race car, go out and win the race. In fact, I told Johnny Gray, I didn't know he was going to run Shaw, who's one of my clients. I told him, I said, now that we got insured, you're going to win a race. And I'll be going to heck. He did that. And uh, I, uh, I'm i just on a mission. I've got my wife. She's helping me immensely. She's smarter than I am. She does all the follow-up stuff. Uh, I need to insure everybody in the United States with a race car. Uh, it's a no-brainer. Uh, contents are cheap. The trailer is average race car is very 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 cheap and uh, so everybody needs to do that i i'd like to get haggerty to um, be involved with you guys uh they're a big corporation they've got you know 1200 employees they're the top dog in uh, in insurance and they've they've been in business for like 30 some years and uh their book of business is fantastic and it seems like i'm just very very blessed to have a good, decent book of business with all the racers. I handle the, the process of enrolling and everything. I have to just call me, get their stuff insured. Uh, the race cars covered everywhere except going down the track. Uh, that's another issue that uh, Haggerty is addressing. Um, uh, and so I just feel it's a no brainer and everybody needs to get their car insured. Uh, you think it's not gonna happen to you like Bill Marshall's car caught on fire uh, and it does. And if you do it, you know, you're sitting there with your, all your money in your car and no way to go racing with Haggerty there, there to support. Uh, and I'm, I'm your advocate, you know, you're my clients. And so that's one of the things that, uh, we are really having a good time. My wife and I are trying to get everybody's car insured because there's no reason why you cannot afford to put your car and get it insured. I have to just call me and uh, go on Facebook and whatever, you know, and uh, we, we, we work every day, but Sunday and uh, Haggerty is absolutely, like I mentioned, Haggerty is absolutely the best company to work with. I've been involved in insurance my whole life and their claims are in prompt uh, when they have a claim. Uh, the people I work with uh, at Haggerty, I got uh, two or three executives at Haggerty that handle all my book and I have a huge book of business. And so, 
people need to get me, uh, get it insured. There's no reason not to do it, Bobby. I mean, $20,000, it's $180 a year. Wow. And that's a guaranteed value and no deductible. So how do they get a hold doing. of you, Don? Do you want them to give you a call? Is there a website they should go on? Or yeah, what's they, the can, they can go on Facebook or they can call me. Uh, it's mainly on Facebook. You know, I have an Arizona number uh, since I haven't ever used, changed my cell phone. But, uh, you know, if you see me at the track, uh, it's really funny. We got so many clients now. I recognize the race car, but I don't know the people I recognize the people. <laughs> so uh, I, I had one client, I tried to sell him race car insurance three times because I didn't see him around this car because I recognized his car, but I didn't recognize him. I go, I'm not. but, uh, yeah, six, my number, if somebody wants to know it's 602-284-6240. I'll repeat that. 602-284-6240. You call me anytime, day or night. I I can talk about drag racing forever, as you guys know. And uh, you know, I'd sure like to get a, a sponsor for you guys because I sure enjoy your program. Oh, we appreciate that, Don. I had no idea that was one hundred and eighty dollars a year for for what twenty thousand or forty thousand worth of coverage. I mean, that's that is really cheap. So we're going to have to talk after uh, this episode. Yeah, yeah, twenty thousand hundred. It's about one percent less, twenty bucks, and you can get contents of your trailer. Uh, you can get all kinds of different uh, things uh, that help you when you're racing and uh, protect your stuff. You know, uh, it's it's kind of new uh, in the last three and a half years. I've done it for a long time. Like I mentioned, I had the Warners for a long time. And then when I moved here to Tennessee, it just it just came into something that's a necessity for everybody. So that's what what we're doing. All right. Well, you heard it here. Call Don Kennedy. He gave you his phone number or visit him on Facebook if you need some uh, race car and trailer insurance. Don, let's get back to your your racing and driving. Now, you say you started in 1963. What car did you start with? I had a uh, I bought a 55 Chevrolet that had a Continental kit with an automatic transmission and air conditioning. So with my wise, unwise decision, I took the Continental kit off. I took the air conditioning out. I took the automatic transmission out and put a three-speed in it. And I raced when they first had a flag, flagman, <laughs> that kind of dazed me, uh, which I enjoyed. And then uh, I uh, went to, uh, uh, in Farmington, New Mexico, I raced at Albuquerque, New Mexico. And when I got the hook in there, I think I won the New Mexico state champions three, three years in a row, state champion. And then um, I uh, uh, bought a, uh, when I bought my dealership, I bought a Bob Michaels Pontiac and then I started running a Pontiac and uh, just kind of in New Mexico, it's not one really the hotbed of racing like it is here in Tennessee, but uh, I had that 55 Chevrolet. Nobody showed me how to do it. I just had took it apart and learned by trial and error, you know, and uh, heck I used to be able to do things when I'm your guys' age, really easy. Uh, I've slowed down a little bit uh, for some reason, maybe too many birthdays, but uh, then I had the uh, then I had the the Super Duty car. No, I had a uh, actually I had a, a Nova with a four speed in it, Bobby, and I couldn't drive that car worth a flip. I kept killing transmissions, but I won a lot of money with it. And then I bought Mike McGrath '69 Camaro convertible that was ran in Super Stock, and that was really a fun car. It was really trick. It had aluminum bolts in it. Uh, everything was dipped. It was a uh, convertible. I like that car. And then I sold that, bought Bob Michaels Pontiac. And then 
after the GT rules, Pontiac sent me the uh, a car. I had a Danny Davis build a car out in California, and uh, we had the headers that went out to the front because Danish wouldn't let us uh, cut where we wanted for the headers with the GT car, and so we made headers that went out front. And then uh, Tom Nolan uh, had this Sunfire, and I sold my uh, red Trans Am. It went to Sweden, and then Tom Nolan sold me this car uh, that I have now, 2005 Sunfire. We ran the 428, we ran the 455 Super Duty in it for a while, and then we wanted to do the combination. A friend of mine, Lynn McCarty, uh, in Indiana, got this combination going, and that's where we're at right now. And it's a fun car, you know. It uh, it repeats. Uh, the 60 foot is fantastic. It doesn't. The only time it spins is when I make a mistake, or maybe the track's not quite prepped right. But uh, yeah, I've been doing it a long time. I set, I normally, I don't, I, I looked out in the garage. I think I've set four or five records. I actually set a record under American Hot Rod Association in Tucson, Arizona, a long time ago. They wouldn't let me set the record because I had a quarter jet carburetor on it, and it was a four barrel class. So <laughs> I said, well, I can go buy a Holly, and uh, that was in Tucson, and. They said, no, no, we'll let you set the record. So I actually set an American Hot Rod Association record in Tucson. And, uh, and then I uh, set a record in uh, Vegas. No, I set a record. Kind of forgot where they are. They're on my wall. But, uh, uh, you know, I've been torn down a lot six or seven times, uh, which as you get older, it's harder to do. But it uh, uh, seemed like the car works really well. So here I am, 74 years old, still drag racing. <laughs> you need to come up here to the Midwest with that thing. Oh yeah, I was like after seeing the success, I thought, "Damn it, how come?" I know Larry and Patsy Hill were were they there? Yeah, they were there. Yep. And uh, I thought, shoot, I like to, you know, where they go to a lot of places, and and I'd like to go there. I wish to after seeing how successful it was, I thought, man, I I should have gone there. You know, how are the pits there? By the way, Brian. <laughs> Um, they're nice. I actually just redid the whole track uh, or the whole really? pit area. They moved it to the other side of the track and they, uh, all the roads are paved. Um, you're on grass, which they just planted grass. So it's growing. So that's probably not quite where it'll be yet, but I mean, everything's yeah. on asphalt and I would say I kind of judge it by how dirty your trailer is afterwards. And I would say there wasn't much difference between going to Brainerd or going there. I mean, everything stayed pretty clean. So yeah. Was that Al Cortez? Oh, he owned that track, didn't he? Yes, sir. yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Al's a good friend of mine. Well, I, I should have gone there. I bet I suspect next year he'd be buried even more. How many cars were there? It seemed like there was a forever cars, huh? Yeah. I think there was right around 117 stockers, um, stock, super wow. stock. And then I think there was probably 40 or 50 in the nostalgic super stock class they ran. And then I think there was 40 or 50 in the muscle car index race. So, and 36 in the uh, stick stick car challenge too. Yeah, it was a it was a good turnout. I'm uh next race I'm going to is July 17th or 18th. Line Performance is doing the Paul Bunyan Classic in Brainerd. And I feel Brainerd's probably one of my favorite tracks to go to. I mean that's that's gonna be a good time. Yeah, I raced in Brainerd when my wife lived in Bald. I mean in in Minnesota, and I raced in Brainerd and stayed at some place. Went there and had to stay in it resort and and i like brainerd uh, uh and everything i ran at marion south dakota on that race and then i broke a four speed and spent stayed up all night bobby building a four speed my uh, brother-in-law and i built rebuilt that four speed we didn't have clutches then 
we had the, we kept killing the, uh, the, oh, the, what is it called? Whenever you, the, anyway, we kept killing. So I had to grind it off, put it back together, froze, went to sleep in the staging lanes, run a couple rounds with that stick car though. But I'm not a stick person, Bobby. I have to admire you guys that run four speeds and everything. And, you know, uh, I'm not one of those guys. Well, you had your fun back when it was, you know, took, took a ton of maintenance. Now it's, it's not quite yeah. as bad, but, um, I mean, in all your years, Don, you got to, You've raced a lot. You've you've driven you know multiple different cars. Do you have a a round or do you have like a memorable fun win that you can well out quick? Every time I win, I'm happy. I think the most fun I had in 2012 uh, when we were racing at Vegas. My buddy uh, Steve Hesser, who was racing with me. the first 15 years, I burned out my wife of racing, and I burned out my two daughters, and then Steve with, went racing, and and uh, it's when we won that race in the finals, we ran against Jimmy DeFrank, who's a really good driver, as everybody knows, but that race, we we were basically, like you said, Brian, we were in the zone, and uh, I, I posted on Facebook, every round, it was just bam, 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 the wind was blowing really bad, and every round, I think we, we nailed it every time. And uh, there I was in the finals against Jimmy DeFrank, and I think I won by eight, seven or eight thousandths or something like that. That was the last run. But my most memorial run, you know, memory run is two three weeks ago. <laughs> I, I mean, my best run is the last run I made. I, uh, you know, <laughs> the car went fast and, you know, I'm, it hooked hard and, uh, you know, some like a friend of mine, Jim Hughes out in Colorado, he remembers every single run he made his whole life. And most of the time he'll remember he has a stick car, Bobby, you know, Jim, most of the time he remembers my runs. And I went to him one time. I said, hey, Jim, remember when we were when we were in uh, uh, Pomona or somewhere? And he goes, yeah. I said, what did I run? <laughs> but uh, no, my my funnest run, I would say, is my last run that I make, you know. And uh, I'm not ready, quite ready for the last tour, but, uh, you know, it's getting close. <laughs> well, we hope you can stay out there as long as possible, many more years. We have to try and convince Brian to actually run an NHRA national event, Brainerd. Brian, you going to try and run Brainerd this year, or you should hit that JEGS Sports Nationals that Don's going to. We've got to get you out there. What do you uh, think? I have a plan, so that's about all I'll say. All right, he's got a plan. We'll yeah. see what, what that Hey, means. Brian, as good a driver as you are, you should be going to all the races. Holy cow. Before you get old. I would not say I'm a good driver. Sometimes I'm just lucky. Oh. <laughs> I know Brian gets mad when he cuts at 20 light. He's like, oh, that was terrible. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Stop. It's like Paula and Mike Cotton, who are good friends of mine. A lot of people, I don't know if they realize it, but Paula is really a good driver. Uh, she won a lot of races, and then she had an incident in Phoenix that scared the crap out of everybody, but... Paula is really, really a good driver. So is Mike, but a lot of people don't re- don't remember when Paula was driving. She won a lot of races, and so they're good friends of mine. And, you know, our our uh, our theme with our insurance company is race more, win more. And and uh, I realized, like most people do, to to win more, you have to race more, get seat time. Uh, everybody out west gets probably 50% less seat time than they do here because there's more drag strips, you know, eighth mile, all kind of things. But uh, there's no doubt there's some tough drivers everywhere. And uh, I never take anybody for granted when I run. Uh, I kind of like to run the heavy hitters. 
because I feel, I don't know, I feel more comfortable running the, the heavy hitters because I like to do that. Uh, just kind of something that I like to do. But uh, yeah, Brian, you need to get out there. Good drivers you are. Lucky drivers you are. You need to get out there more. All it takes is money. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah, got like, plenty of that, so he he'll be out there. That's the limiting yeah. factor for most of us, but <laughs> yeah, he has horses. His wife has horses, and they eat every day, huh, Brian? He's got to sell a horse and go race more. <laughs> oh no, uh, we do have one request. Somebody okay. said, "How about Haggerty selling race motor insurance?" What do you think of that? Why don't you go talk to him for us? Well, one of the situations, uh, if you break a motor, it's not covered. Oh well, that's uh, the if, whole point so I, I, I would buzz my motor a couple hundred rpm higher if i knew haggerty was going to cover uh, it for me well if somebody runs into you and does some damage uh not on the track there might be a gray area that it might be covered um co contents is important um i deal with all kinds of questions and uh, uh what makes me happy is i'm you know i'm your advocate uh we had an issue where a motor was stolen that was covered. Oh my goodness! Um, uh, it was amazing, but uh, they actually Haggerty actually covered it. Haggerty is a is a great company to be dealing with. I mean, they they're the strongest company in the world as far as in the United States and the world as far as an insurance company. They there it's no hassles. I mean, I dealt with a claim yesterday, and it got most of the claims have been paid in two weeks. And, and McKeel Haggerty, and, and who owns it, and his sister, they look for reasons to pay claims. I make sure my clients understand the claim process. I'm your advocate. You guys go out, my clients go out and race, and I'll take care of any issues that you may have as far as claims. But uh, uh, Haggerty is the big gorilla. There's no reason for anybody not to insure their car with Haggerty. They've been in business for years, years, and years. And uh, I, I like my clients. And like I told a client yesterday, they insured their car for $10,000. I said, next time I see it, we'll go out to lunch. They said, well, you know, uh, the commission is was a, was a, uh, $31. I said, we'll go out to lunch. I make 10% or whatever the premium is. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm doing it because I feel in my heart, my wife, that we need it. It's a need, kind of like what you guys are doing, Bobby, you and Brian, uh, is part of the uh, progression of racing. And we've got to be involved else sportsmen. We don't want the sportsmen to dwindle away. Uh, and there's a lot of young people coming in, which is good. Uh, you know, daughters and sons and people. I kind of like NHRA to bring back the ricers in super stock and stock. I'd like to see that. Of course, they did that at one time, but I kind of have a feeling about that. They ought to, of course, they don't maybe not need more cars, but I wouldn't mind running, running a uh, ricer. No, number one, they don't leave very hard on the starting line. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a place for all of us in horseman racing. And uh, uh, there's no doubt it's a big industry for NHRA and all the rest of us. Well, maybe they'll bring that back at some point. Yeah, I remember there was an import class uh, when I, back in the early 2000s, I believe. But I don't know what happened with that. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds? But, uh, Don, we thank you for uh, joining us this weekend and um everybody out there thank you for listening and don't forget we have t-shirts we got stickers this is class racing today podcast classracingtoday.com check us out on facebook instagram youtube apple podcast give us a like give us a share give us a rating we'll take it all right 
uh, classracingtoday at gmail.com if you want a shirt or a sticker or if you just want to comment, have any concerns. And uh, that's it, everybody. Be safe out there, safe travels, and good luck at your next race. Craig? Thanks, everybody. You bet. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks, Don. Brian and Bobby, thanks for getting out there and doing your thing. This episode brought to you by Midwest Class Racers. July 17, 18. The Midwest Class Racer 8th Annual Paul Bunyan Classics coming up at Brainerd International Raceway. Don't miss it. This is Class Racing Today. ClassRacingToday.com. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you on the track. Have a great day.